Have you ever been on the side of the road in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, with the front of your car smashed in, and you didn't know what to do? Well, many years ago, there was a man in an arguably worse situation, an event in which he lost everything he held dear. And throughout all he went through, though, he never gave up on God or renounced him. And through his Herculean patience and faith in God, he weathered the storm of suffering, loss, and continual attacks on his character. This man was Job. Job lost all his numerous possessions as a result of God challenging Satan, and he says that his servant Job would hold fast to him in spite of whatever calamity may befall him. And Job doesn't blame God for this whenever the hammer falls. And when Satan meets with God again, he claims that if Job were to lose his physical health, he would undoubtedly curse God. Job is then set upon with horrible ailments, and his own wife tells him to curse God and die. Job's friends arrive to mourn with him, and he says that he regrets his birth, rather wishing he were dead, and curses the day he was born. Eliphaz claims that Job has sinned and says that God would only strike down someone who is unrighteous. This marks the beginning of Job and his friends arguing with each other. Eliphaz claims that Job is being disciplined by God and tells him to be happy in the face of the Lord's chastening. Job retorts Eliphaz's judgment by claiming that the bemoaning of his circumstance is just, and he asks what hope he has, and he says that all he, is, all he desires at this point is death. Job describes his suffering as pitiless, which only foreshadows how much grief his friends are going to give him in upcoming chapters. And Bildad interjects here, claiming that Job should repent, and he says that if Job were innocent, God would be at his defense at that moment. Job says that there is no mediator, and that there is no one to argue his case to God. Job continues saying that he would plead with God, and he says that God has made and unmade him, and ask his friends to leave him alone until he can breathe his last in peace. Zophar urges Job further to repent, and he says that he wishes God would open his mouth in judgment against him, and he decides to redress his friends because of this. He proclaims that God hold all, holds all in his hand, and he wants to reason with God about why he's being treated this way. He calls all his friends fools, and that they are of no comfort to him. He proceeds to pray out his despondence and hopelessness, and laments the futility and struggles faced by man, and the pointlessness he perceives of trying at all. Eliphaz claims that Job is full of folly, he demands if Job were the first man, if Job was around when the world was made, and if he heard the counsel of God. God later asks Job something to the tune of this in the final chapter, and he responds to his friends with reproach, and he tells them that they are of absolutely no comfort or help, and that if the situations were reversed, he would comfort and help them. Job prays for relief and again mentions his desire to die. Again, he calls his friends fools, and Bildad interjects again, saying that the wicked are punished, he asks Job if the world were, for, were to be forsaken for his sake, and he tells Job to gain understanding and ask as to why he thinks they're stupid. Job says that he trusts his Redeemer, and he says that everyone hates him and that God has destroyed him and that his friends plot against him. Zophar interjects once Bildad has finished and delivers a sermon on the wicked. He says that the wicked man is desolate, tormented, and terrorized by God. He says that their children suffer and that this is their lot appointed by God. Job responds to Zophar with his own speech on the wicked, and he says that they are not persecuted by God, and that their children are happy and prosper, and their possessions thrive. Eliphaz accuses Job of wickedness now. He claims that Job has stripped the naked of their rags, withheld bread from the hungry, and has destroyed his own brother. He expresses, Job expresses the desire to come and ask God why he is being persecuted this way, and that he wants to make his case to God. He claims that he is an upright man who walks in God's way. Job voices his complaints on violence present in the world, and he says that God has drawn away the mighty, that they die and last only a short time. Bildad asks, how can man be holy, saying dominion belongs to God? 
Job speaks about man's frailty and God's majesty, and he asks who can understand God's power. Job still clings to his integrity and further says that so long as he lives, he will cling to his righteousness. Job speaks on wisdom now, and he says that it is something that cannot be found on the earth, like a physical object. He says that the fear of God is wisdom, and departure from evil is understanding. Job begins his final verbal defense, wishing that God were watching over him again. He was loved by all and did good to all. He helped the helpless and protected the weak and against the vile. He was honored back then, and now things are completely turned about. He's lost all hope, and he is in constant pain. Everyone hates him in spite of all he has done, and he asks that he can be judged if he has done something wrong. For the first time in the book, a friend of Job named Elihu interjects. He's furious against Job because he, is not, he has only defended himself and not God. He is also angry at Job's other friends because they, never, they had no evidence of Job's crimes that they accused him of and never actually addressed Job's questions with anything more than more accusations. He says that he has waited to speak because everyone is, is older and he believed wiser than himself. He says that they are not wise and do not understand justice. Elihu commands Job to listen to him, to his arguments, and to answer him. He points out that Job has said God has made his life difficult twice. Elihu proclaims God's justice, and he says that everyone reaps what they sow, and God would not pervert his justice. Elihu goes on to condemn self-righteousness, and he asks what a righteous man could offer to God. He says that God's creation is much grander than man, and Elihu proclaims God's goodness and tells of God's protective and forgiving nature. He switches gears and begins proclaiming God's majesty, and he describes how great God's power and glory is and how it is beyond our understanding. And after this, he ceases speaking. God begins speaking directly to Job for the first time. He begins to question Job, asking him if he knows everything, asking him if Job was the one who created the world. And Job responds to these questions by saying he is a vile creature and that he will no longer speak. God challenges Job after this statement, and he asks if Job would pass judgment on the unholy or if he could bring down such beasts as Leviathan or Behemoth. And their power is described in chapters 40 through N41. Job admits he spoke of things he could not understand, and he repents of his wrongdoings. And God turns his rage to Job's friends, telling them each to bring offerings of repentance to Job so they can be cleansed. God blesses Job after this, giving him back twice as many possessions as he once had and many children. Job eventually goes on to die many years later. There are several things we can take away from Job's story. First, the, first of all is the challenges Job faced. He lost all of his possessions, which were very great, and in today's money, the animals alone should cost about four and a half million dollars. He lost all that he had, including his health, the friends, his fa the faith his friends and remaining family had in him, and his reputation. We'll read about this if you turn to Job 1, 13 and through 19 with me. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to God and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, and they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And only I am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them and only I am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said that Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. 
while he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were drinking and eating wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men. And they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And the second thing we can take away from this is that Job had to fight through depression. And he says that he wishes that he had never been born to die, to talk to God, and to know why this is all happening to him, which we can read about if you'll turn with me to Job three eleven through 13. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees, pre- why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet, and I should have slept, then had I been at rest. The third thing we can take away from this is what did God say to Job? He asked Job who he was to question him, by what authority did Job hold, and if he had made the earth. And we'll read about this if you'll turn with me to Job 38 and 2. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You can read about it further in 4 through 7. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And it can also be read about further in Job 40 and 2. Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. And lastly, if you'll turn with me to James 5 and 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We will be happier people when we endure the challenges life has set before us. God has pity and mercy on us. By striving like Job, enduring and keeping our faith, we can overcome the stumbling blocks set before us to distract us and pull us away from God. How would you react if you were put in a similar situation as Job? If God told Satan, have you seen any like my servant so-and-so, and then you lost a family member or your house was destroyed? Would you stand strong against the call to give in to sin, or would you hold true to your faith in God? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.